This is the Visit the Zoo podcast, episode number 57, where today we hear about the bonobo and hear a little bit about the 10 rarest dog breeds in the world and hear the read from Noah, chapter 4. everybody and welcome to the visit the zoo podcast uh, this is episode number 57 and as you can hear i still have my voice is not quite back 100 percent, but we'll try and uh, go through this thing and get it get her done i am your host frederick fishman i am the author of the 12 book 120 animal series of print books and kindle books and audio books and the dvd and of course this podcast for visit the zoo Thank you very much for joining me. I've got uh, a couple things I want to tell you up front before we get into it. First of all, we have two fundraising campaigns going on, and hopefully you'll join us and help uh, support everything we do here at Visit the Zoo with your financial support. Uh, you can either go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, or GoFundMe and just type in Visit the Zoo Podcast. And we've got a new campaign going on Kickstarter. We've got a goal of 15600 which will pay for all of our costs for the year. It's hosting costs and writing and everything else that we do. So hopefully that you'll be able to join us for that as well. Again, that's at kickstarter.com and that will keep us going. All right. We have a lot of drop-ins today, a lot of audio drop-ins. So I think we should get started. And the first thing we're going to do with the animal news segment today is read a story that we're touching back on that occurred really last year. It started last year when the voters of Tucson, Arizona, my hometown here in southern Arizona, voted a an amendment, or I guess it was a, a ballot measure, to help fund the zoo and keep it going and do a lot of much-needed improvements. Well, last year, at about this time, it got approved. There's a follow-up story that has been printed in the Arizona Daily Star a couple days ago. It was written by Caitlin Schmidt. I want to give you an update as to where the zoo is with its major facelift. So big changes are underway at the Reed Park Zoo, including improvements to existing animal habitats and plans for new exhibits and an increase in staffing designed to connect visitors with animals like never before. Last November, Tucson voters approved a ballot initiative that increased the city sales tax by only one-tenth of one percent for the next 10 years. The measure was expected to generate millions of dollars to upgrade the zoo's aging infrastructure and build new interactive exhibits. As of early November this year, about $7 million in sales tax funds had been collected since February the 1st of this year. Those funds were made available on July the 1st, and zoo staff has been hard at work making a difference for the animals and the guests, said Nancy Kluge, the Reed Park Zoological Society's president and CEO. The first of the new several exhibits, the Temple of Tiny Monkeys, is nearing the end of design phase with construction set to begin in December. In the upcoming months, construction workers will transform a former snack bar in the zoo's South America area into the ruins of a Mayan temple, which will house four squirrel monkeys. We'll be able to tell the story of these spunky, cute little animals that are in the rainforest of South America, Kluge said. 
They are fun and they're cute and in constant motion. The Reed Park Zoological Society is working with the city to select an architect and construction manager for a $30 million expansion project to the west. The project will include a tropical discovery center, which will house Komodo dragons, fruit bats, siamang from the Gibbons family, and be located next to the education building. The plan includes a treetop playhouse for the children to be located in the spot now occupied by the Flamingo Lagoon. I know where that is, which will move to the front of the zoo, marking the first step in the larger expansion. The project will also include a makeover to the zoo's front entry, which will give it a new look and some additional shade. The meerkat habitat has also been expanded with zoo employees hard to work on Wednesday to get the second enclosure completed in time to move the meerkats back this weekend. The expanded habitat has two new viewing windows and the separate habitats will allow zoo staff to better care for the animals who are known for having a very complicated social structure. The zoo also has since added 20 new staff members, including a full-time vet for the first time ever. That's great. The increased staffing has allowed for the addition of daily educational activities, while it used to be hit or miss if a docent or zookeeper would be around. So that sounds like a lot of changes going on at the Reed Park Zoo, our local zoo here in Tucson, Arizona. All right, it's mystery animal sound time, and what I'm going to do is do what I did last week, and that's combine the mystery animal sound and then go right into the pre-recorded description of this animal, which was read, by the way, by Shannon Zamora, who is an actress in Houston, Texas. Let's listen to some of those sounds and then get into the description. Bonobo. The bonobo, along with the common chimpanzee, is the closest living relative to us, human beings. The bonobo lives in a 190,000 square mile area on either side of the Congo River in the Congo Basin of the Democratic Republic of the Congo. The common chimpanzee lives on the north side of the river, while the bonobo lives on the south side. They are threatened by habitat loss, although the Congolese government, with the help of foreign countries and organizations, is working to establish areas of protection. In captivity, they live about 40 years. In the wild, that number is unknown. They're built with less bulk than the common chimpanzee, which is stockier and more solid looking. Their head is also smaller. They have longer legs, pink lips, parted hair, slender necks, and slim upper bodies. They seem almost, almost, that is, human. Females are slightly smaller than males in their female-dominated societies. Females weigh about 66 pounds. Males can weigh about 75 to 130 pounds. They are omnivorous, which means they have a varied diet of small animals and a variety of plants. They are both terrestrial and arboreal. They will roam on the ground or up in the trees. They mostly walk on all four legs, but will stand on two legs to observe or to grab food. Their nature tends to be fairly peaceful in the wild. In captivity, however, 
they have been known to be more aggressive. Perhaps the enclosed nature of their existence sets them off. Males in the wild will band together to protect their territory. They communicate verbally, and some test animals in captivity have even been taught a primitive form of hand signals by their human keepers. The World Wildlife Fund estimates that there are between 50,000 and 60,000 individuals still existing in the wild. And even though they are also known as pygmy chimpanzees, their size and stature is not that far from that of the common chimpanzee. It is reported that they got the name Bonobo from a mismarked shipping crate back in 1929. The name pygmy relates to the pygmy humans who live near their habitat. Before we leave this human-like creature, look into those eyes one more time. There seems to be a spark of intelligence behind those penetrating eyes, doesn't there? Let's move on now to our dog, cat, and our pet segment. I've got a new story here about something that's very important that I remember attending when I was even a child and going to Florida. And that is that the Florida voters overwhelmingly came down on the side of the dogs on Tuesday, voting to ban greyhound racing, finally, in the state. A decision that puts in question the future of thousands of of racing dogs. The Committee to Protect Dogs called Amendment Number 13, which was approved by 69% of the voters this week, a knockout blow to a cruel industry. Florida hosts 11 of the 17 active dog tracks in the United States, but the industry will be shuttered in the state by January 2021, meaning some 6,000 dogs will need new homes. Because of the decisions of millions of voters, though thousands of dogs will be spared the pain and suffering that is inherent in the greyhound racing industry. Kitty Block, the acting president and CEO of the Humane Society of the United States, told the Orlando Sentinel. Trainers and racetrack workers are among those who will be put out of work by the decision, but greyhound racing has long been criticized for reported abusive dogs who are often neglected and subject to cruel conditions. Adoptagreyhound.org points out that the dogs can make great pets, trained to chase lures that often are mechanical. The racing dogs are neither vicious nor predatory. They are sociable and accustomed to being around people because they are handled by trainers, vets, and dog walkers as well as children. There are groups already mobilizing in other states to stop the dog racing as well. And we find this an incredible opportunity to find homes for all the displaced greyhounds. This is the most historic event for greyhound advocacy and adoption in the world at any time, said Christine Dorchak, the president and general counsel of Grey 2K USA Worldwide, as she told the Miami Herald. So that's news about the greyhound racing industry in Florida. And finally, in this segment, I want to talk about the 10 rarest dog breeds in the world. Now, I would say that all 10 of these breeds I have never heard of. And I looked up their pictures, and I don't think I've ever even seen a picture of these dogs as well. The first rarest dog breed is the Merle Pitbull. It has unevenly colored fur, but it looks like a pit bull, that's for sure. The next dog, number two, is the Cat Alburin. Say that five times real fast. Dog has, this dog has two noses. 
it's split in the middle. It's also called a Turkish pointer. When you take a look at this thing, it, it really looks strange. Let me spell it for you. It's C-A-T-A-L-B-U-R-U-N. Next, number three is the Mexican hairless dog. It's one of the most ancient of all the dog breeds. It's also known as the Zio. It's, it's, forget it. Number four is the Bergamasco Shepherd. It's known for its thick, long fur, and it's bred in Bergano, Italy, and it tends to sheep. And number five is the Tibetan Mastiff. It's a big dog, it has thick fur, and it's huge, and it was bred to protect the mountain monks. And number six, the Thai Ridgeback is one of the ten rarest dog breeds in the world. It's very ancient, and it's related to the dingo in Australia. Number seven is the Basenji. Now, I have heard of the Basenji. It's from Central Africa. It really became friends with man almost 5,000 years ago. And the strange thing about the Basenji, it can't bark. It just makes some kind of a guttural sound, which is very strange, too. That's the Basenji. Number eight is the Asganaka, which is very, very thin. It's bred in Mali. It's fast and has a lot of endurance. Number nine is the Louisiana Catalahula Leopard Dog. See, I told you I didn't know these things. It's a cross between a wolf and a French Shepherd Dog, and it's bred here in North America. And finally, of the 10 rarest breeds in the world, the Beddington Terrier. It's a strange-looking dog. It's got a sloped head with tight fur, and it looks kind of strange, but it is very expensive, and it's very rare, and they love them in the U.K. And that is the Dog and Cat and Pet segment for this week. Coming to the final segment of today's Visit to the Zoo episode, and usually we will read here a poem or a quote about the animal world, but I'm going to continue on with my playing of my novel that I wrote uh, about a year and a half ago called Noah, an Animal Adventure Fantasy, and this is going to be chapter number four for Noah, an Animal Adventure Fantasy. Chapter 4 Manny Meerkat That was his name. He was Noah's new friend. He was Noah's expedition leader. He told Noah that they would be looking for Noah's root home through his green tunnel. He also told Noah that they would continue on their journey now in Asia to find that green tunnel. They would be traveling through varied environments and would be passing the animals of Asia and the other six continents. But first, they had to pass through the never-ending wheat field. Noah stayed close behind his new little friend. He wanted to go back to the world he knew, but he was still flabbergasted over his discovery of a talking meerkat who suddenly remained absolutely silent as they walked through the wheat field. The wheat field then quickly transformed into an open meadow, creating a hill. The meadow then revealed a beautiful tree-lined small pond chock full of glorious flowers. The brilliant covered flowers stretched away from the pond to a line far away snow-capped mountains. 
The landscape Noah and Manny traversed kept changing rapidly. Noah was confused and jolted at the speed of the transformation in the quick change of scenery. Noah slowed as he viewed the beautiful scene. He enjoyed the tranquility and took it all in. Manny, what is this place? Noah, let's walk to this pond ahead, rest in the shade of this tree. Noah was confused. He thought his first discovery, Manny, at sunset. No, it was a sunrise, Noah. Noah looked at the small meerkat walking ahead of him. He wondered how Manny knew what he was thinking. Manny, what is... Noah interrupted. It was as if Manny was finishing his thoughts. Noah, we are in Zhizing, Zhuzhan, scenic area in central China. How in the world can I remember that mouthful of strange words? Do you speak Chinese as well as English? I speak many languages, Noah. Manny paused and then said, Just remember, and this piece that you see around you. You will never forget this place. That's the one great gift you can carry with you from exploration, memories. So don't forget this pond and don't forget this piece. They approached the pond and found a small tree and several boulders next to the tree. Manny approached the pond and took a small drink from the calm surface water as Noah collapsed next to the rock. The long walk to that spot exhausted him completely. He had enough energy just to stare at the flowers, trees, and snow-capped mountains on the horizon. Manny straightened and then walked back to Noah. He studied Noah's face. Noah became suddenly melancholy as he continued to stare off into the distance. Manny sat a few feet from him, again on his backside, with his arms dangling together in front of him, hands touching his stomach. Manny looked up and around, jerking his head to and fro, looking for danger, as meerkaps often do. But he turned his attention back to Noah. Noah, does this place remind you of something? Noah smiled. Yes, we used to go camping in places like this, in the Sierra Mountains in California. Noah smiled even broader. My brother and I used to... His smile quickly faded. What, Noah? What is it? Manny said in a quiet but definitely deeper adult voice. Noah avoided Manny's stare. Nothing. No, please tell me about your brother. Noah remained speechless for some time. His name was Jeremy, but he is gone now. You mean he died? Recently? No. Noah was still distracted. Recently, yes. Again, there was a long pause. Noah scanned the scene around him that surrounded both he and Manny. We would go camping to places like this. He was my older brother. It was amazing that my parents would let him take me alone, but we had the best of times. Noah smiled again, but it quickly faded again. 
He then snapped his head toward Manny. I thought you said you knew everything about me. Why did you bring it up? Why are you asking me? Why did you trick me into telling you something you already knew? Because, Noah, I want you to say the words so you could hear yourself. You haven't been talking about it. I know this, and you have to. You have to talk about it. You have to remember those camping trips and the beauty that you saw and the animals that you saw. You have to talk about it. Noah didn't agree just then. He stood up, stormed away from the boulders in the small tree. He walked around about another 100 feet to the edge of the small pond, to another tree, another set of boulders. He stepped to the pond and drank a few sips of water. He then sat and stared out. After a moment or two, he shouted at Manny, I want to go home. Take me home, now. Manny heard Noah plainly enough and whispered to himself, Not just yet, Noah. Not just yet. And that is a read from chapter number four from my novel, Noah, an Animal Adventure Fantasy. And you can find that on Amazon. I want to thank you very much for joining me. This is a wrap for episode number 57. I want to thank you for being with us here for the Visit the Zoo podcast. Remind you again, we have a couple of websites that you may want to visit. The first is the main website for this podcast, and that is zooanimals.info. That's plural, zooanimals.info. And you will find all of our merchandise on another website called Zooswear. Dot com is spelled Z-O-O-Z-W-E-A-R. And I've just added four new wildlife designs that you may want to check out. Uh, words and drawings on a on a t-shirt, so check that out. And also, besides t-shirts, uh, you can put that in print on just about anything on either Zazzle or Amazon. We have two fundraising sites that you may want to visit, Patreon.com and GoFundMe.com. And I've just added, just last night, a new Kickstarter campaign. Again, that's at kickstarter.com. Just type in any one of those three, either Patreon, GoFundMe, or Kickstarter. Just type in Visit the Zoo Podcast. Thank you very much for joining me. Again, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to this podcast. And join me again next week for another episode of Visit the Zoo. Have a great week. Bye for now. 